stopwatch. Well, thank you that we are part of a body that run, runs a race. And Lord, I, we just want to thank you that we're part of this body, Lord. And we celebrate you being the head. Thank you, Lord. Amen. It's so nice to see some new faces, so some visitors. Um, very nice welcome. Nice to see you. Fernando and Simone is here all the way from Witbank. Yeah. yeah. Nice to have you guys here. They, they were part of Durbanville AM and they went to Witbank and uh, they felt the Lord leading them there to actually, uh, well, to grow a church, basically. And it's so nice to see them there. I see uh, Carl and Jackie and Andre Kam is here from Durbanville AM. I see Reinhardt is here. Welcome, guys. Yeah. It's so nice to see Carl and Jackie. I met them, what was it? Gosh, 2003, 2002. Yeah. And I remember the first, the first time I met them, um, they, I don't know if we even ate, but I just remember this massive bowl of ice cream. <laughs> massive bowl of ice cream. It was humongous. I mean, my mom is here today and my sister is here, and they are big on desserts, you know. They are massive on desserts. But this, that, that bowl of ice cream was impressive. And, uh, you know, Carl and Jackie, you guys are so generous from the outset. You know, my prayer is that you know, you'll, you'll receive his generosity. And you'll be at the receiving end of his generosity. You know what you reap, you will sow. And it's really something that you've been sowing into the kingdom. And maybe, maybe it's time that you experience and sow that, God willingly, in his time. But that's my prayer. Nice to have Giesi here as well. Giesi's a rock star. <laughs> she always in, inspires me. When I think I cannot do this, I cannot go on, I think of Giesi. Yeah, lovely. Bring up the first, the first picture. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit today. You guys can all see me? All right, you can hear me, you can see me. All right. Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are in the midst of this great and awesome testimonies and witnesses, let us put aside every sin and every weight that clings onto us so, so closely so that we can run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we need to lay aside every, every sin and weight so that we can run the race in him. Just like Jesus who overcame the cross by the joy that was set before him. And I don't know about you, but we add things on to our Christian walk. We add things on to our identity. And we think, you know, we, we're going to have this Bible reading plan, and we're going to follow this guy, and then we're going to do it this way, and we're bringing procedures. But actually, you know, all God wants is for us just to put one step, foot after the other. Galatians 5, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, Galatians 5, 25, it says that if you live by the Spirit, you'll be in, uh, uh, you'll try and keep in step with the Spirit. And it's actually very simple. It's one step after the other. Left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. Andrew Sally, he once uh, preached a preach in Durbanville uh, many years ago, some of you might remember, about offensive Christianity. 
And it said, you know what, there's times you're going you're to bolt things onto your Christian walk, just like that marathon runner did, that is unnecessary. It's not helpful for the kingdom. If you said you made an example of a car, and actually how you buy a car industry standard, you soup it up and you lower the suspension and you do this and that, but you know what, you lose the warranty and you lose the performance of the car. And the actual original design of the car is actually being, being altered. And actually how we don't do that in our own Christian walk. And he made an example and he said that like surfers who would put roof, uh, surfer roof racks on their car because it's an identity. You know, I'm a surfer, that's who I am. And how often we want to put our identity to being a son and a daughter in Christ. And I actually said, you know what, we need to get rid of all of that. We need to streamline our walk with God. We need to see, well, what is it that is actually keeping us from running the race efficiently and proficiently? What is actually keeping us? What is the weights and the sin in our lives that's keeping us from running with endurance? If you, if that Hebrews 12 is one, um, the cloud of witnesses that it's speaking about is actually referring to the previous chapter, Hebrews 11, and it's speaking about the heroes of the faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, etc., and actually how they were looking forward to the promise, the new dispensation, the new testament that we are walking in today, and they were looking forward to the Messiah and the kingdom coming, which we are walking in now. And, and they are bearing witness that we, what we are walking in now, Jesus overcoming the cross, and that should be our joy, overcoming. And because of that, let us get rid of the weights, and the sin that's holding us back, that's clinging onto us. And I think this was a very, very good example for, for the Hebrews and the Christians of the day because the Olympics was put in place 850 years BC, more or less, and they knew exactly what the Olympics was about. They knew that the guys run stark naked, um, you know, very little resistance, uh, mostly, you know, to show off the body, it was a lot of... Uh, um, imagery and idolatry and worshipping their own self and their bodies, but they knew what it meant to, to have very little resistance when you do athletics and when you run. It was, a, it was a picture that I could relate to. And it's something that I believe God is asking us this morning. What is it that's keeping us from running into God? And you will know, I don't have to sell this to you. You would know if there's sin and a weight in your life. I'm gonna have another sip of my coffee, this is really nice. I waited over a year for this. It's quite strong, actually. That's all good, okay. Yeah. So I wanna, I don't wanna just preach a preach for the sake of a preach, but I really feel after Dan's message last week, so Dan Barnard preached, and he shared a message, and he said, you know what, it's not about what we do, it's about who we do it with. It ain't home. If our priorities are wrong, we're doing it for the wrong purposes. And very often we lose our joy. We lose the reason why we're running. We, we lose the bigger picture. But once you've got it, and you know it's all about him, and you've, you've calibrated yourself, and you know it's for him, and it's, it's in him that you move, then what? Well then, according to Ephesians, then you need to work on this. 
the horizontal. And there's a couple of things that Ephesians says, eight things that it says that we need to run in. So I'm going to use a little preacher's license this morning because I've got the mic. It actually says that you must walk in it, but hey, let's say we're going to run in it this morning. All right. Okay. So you've got your relationship and it's set in God and, and you are A for a way and you know that it's Him and He's the highest authority in your life. He is priority number one. He is the Lord. He is the King. Now what? How does it look like? How does this run look like in our everyday life? Well, it says the first thing you need to do is run with integrity. So if you read Ephesians 4 and 5 and 6, all of that will be there. So I asked her, Natalie, yesterday. I had a little chat with her at a, at a function. And I asked her what she thinks integrity means. So we, we spoke about it, and she, she had something to the extent of this, the quality of being an honest and having strong moral principles. Well, not exactly to that extent, but that is what it came to. The quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. And then, according to the dictionary, there's another definition for integrity. The state of being whole and undivided. Whole and undivided. If, you, if your integrity remains intact, then you remain whole and undivided in yourself. Your spirit is not cheating on your flesh. Your flesh is not cheating on your soul. There's a unity in that. You are in unison. You're in agreement, mind, body, and spirit, that he is the Lord. You are not only hearers, but doers of the word. It was... Vincent brought it quite eloquently and beautifully this morning in prayer meeting. By the way, uh, church actually starts at 8.30. We had a lovely prayer meeting this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Vince, for that. So we are to walk in integrity. Your left hand won't know what your right hand is doing. It, it goes on and it says that we must not tell dirty jokes because a person with integrity will not, will not do that. So remember, our position in God is fine. Now we're working on this, okay? So we cannot work on this if, you, if your vertical is not, is not in place. And we've already established last week that he is our priority. And we need to come back to him. So we've got that. So with last week's message in place, we are now focusing on horizontal. So obviously you cannot do this if this is not in place. Okay? And it's running with integrity. When you're at work... When, when a guy is starting to tell jokes, what is your response? How do you, how do you, how do you reply? Yeah. What is your response like? Are you the same at home and what you are at the workplace? I often, I often ask myself the question if someone from work were to come in, will they be surprised to see me? If they are, then that's a problem. That's a problem. Uh, the second thing, that, that we ought to do is run charitably. It means God has forgiven us, so we should extend and forgive others. Always remember, always remember where we come from, charitability. Extension of that is hospitality, but charitability, to extend the grace God has given us to other people. Oh, how we can judge how we can judge, how we forget the valleys and the uphills that, that God had to take us through and still going through, and the process that God is taking others through. So we must be charitable with one another. 
We must, we must walk in purity. That's where the sin comes from earlier when I said that we must lay aside any sin and wait. The sin in our lives, we must, we must, we must deal with it intentionally. Is there sin in your life? Before God, in His presence, and in this congregation, I want to ask if there's sin in your life to take it before God and really deal with it. Can I ask you to do that? If not, it's going to affect this. It's going to affect this. You cannot, you cannot think that it's not going to affect your outward relationship. Paul is saying that it will, and we must deal with it. We must run in purity. People don't catch what you say you have. They catch what you have. So I'm not going to stress the point. We're going to do communion a little later now. Don, if it's all right, we go, I'm going to ask the guy, I want to ask everyone to, to just ponder these points and remember these points. Actually, just to bring if there's any sin issues and why it's just holding you back. Really before God. Another thing that Paul is saying, he said that humility, run in humility, because that's a secret to unity. So humility and unity. And you know what? You cannot have unity if there's offenses. You cannot have that. And the reason why we do communion, for example, amongst other reasons, is to remind us actually to make right with one another, that we are part of this body. And it's through, by the blood of Jesus, that we are actually in unity. We are a body. There shouldn't be a place for unforgiveness. If there's, and this can be a weight that can prevent us from running more into God. Louis Malherbe, I love Louis Malherbe. For those who knows who he is, then you are older than 40 years old. Congratulations. So Louis Malherbe was a, uh, in the 80s, he was a hero of his time, part of the Enchikar, but he had vision, he had revelation of the kingdom of God. And he said, you know what, the secret for being a maximum man, the maximum woman in God, is the quiet times. It's the quiet times that you're going to have in God. It's those times like when David fought the bear and a lion, and he had victories that he overcame Goliath. And bringing back to running your discipline and your exercise, getting up when everyone is asleep, and, and hitting the road, and being practiced and disciplined in your quiet times with God, that is where you gain victory. So David's confidence grew by the time he, he met Goliath or he came face to face with him because he already defeated Goliath, um, the bear and the lion. He knew what God could do through him. So then, uh, then there is running in submission to one another. And Ephesians speak very, very beautifully about that. It speaks about husbands. It speaks about wives. It speaks about children. It speaks about submission to one another. And a, and a, and a, and a core of submission is to be flexible in the arms of someone else. Not to hold your opinion tightly, but God's opinion we hold tight. A submissive heart says, I am open for audit. And my life is open. I'm vulnerable. You cannot have that if there's unforgiveness. You cannot have that if there's offense. And yet, 
God is asking us to run in this. Because it's only then that we can run the race effectively. You know, we, you, you cannot run a marathon if you have not qualified. You cannot run a marathon if you haven't qualified. Through justification, it's a big word for saying that we are saved. The day we got saved, we have been qualified to run this race. But it does not mean that you're going to finish the race. doesn't mean, and it's a harsh reality. It's a harsh reality. There's some piffy buses, the halfway line, there's cuts of, cuts of lines. There's guys who take the bus to the finish line. They didn't make it. They didn't make it. So we need to deal with the weights and the sins of our life in order for us to run how God intended for us to run according to the design of the car and take away anything, anything that's not supposed to be there. Then Paul, Paul reminds us that we are to, to walk in maturity with one another. Philippians 3, 12 to 15, can, it says that this is maturity, that you would... Uh, Maybe we can just read it there. Now, now that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward and Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take this should take such a view. I think it's fine, thanks. So we should take this view that we will strive to, and walk forward, always stretching out to tomorrow, not holding on to things from the past, pressing on to tomorrow. And this is a mature mindset. The last thing that Paul reminds us in, in this is to run in love. And Dan actually focused on it last week, 1 Corinthians 13, you see that without love. Just a clang symbol. There's no meaning, there's no substance in what we do. Should be love. And you know what? It is accepting his love for us. And that, that brings us back to the vertical. Just accepting his love for us. I wonder if you can just uh, play that video for us.
14, uh, 26, but the helper, the comforter, the advocate, the intercessor, the counselor, the strengthener, the standby, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and he will help you remember everything that I've told you. The word for, uh, the, word, the, word for uh, the, the Greek word used here is parakletos, for comforter. The parakletos. And it literally means the one who comes alongside you us and help us. And that is the Holy Spirit. Because we all have injuries. We all have a time where we say what we cannot, we cannot move any longer further. We all have moments where we say that we've lost and we've given up the fight actually. We've given up the fight. We don't see the reason. I believe that God wants us just like Jesus had the joy set before him to endure the cross, he actually wants to remind us and give us joy today. Remind us who we are in Christ. Holy Spirit will remind you of the words that Jesus said. The comforter. We need to, we need to be in step with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.25 says that if we live by the Spirit, so we should be in step of the Holy Spirit. Not going faster than Him, not going slower than Him, but being in step with Him. You know, these, in running terms, terminologies, I know not all of us are runners here, but I think we can relate scripturally. There's something called the dreaded wall 
They say it's something that every marathon runner will experience at one point. Now, usually the wall is around by the 28, between 28 and 32 kilometer mark. And we have medical and medical people here, so I'm not going to try to explain, but basically your body has drawn all the energy that it can from its cells, and it's now at that point starting to draw it from your, from your stomach and, and, and other areas, and that's why you have, all of a sudden you, you, uh, you feel very pup and very drained, and your body actually just wants you to stop and, and to rest. Very often, if you practice very well, it is also psychological, the fact that I just cannot do this. And sports psychologists say that when you hit the wall, and I believe these are sports psychologists, I mean, it's not theologians. They say that when you, when you hit the wall, yes, there's three things you need to do. I think it's applicable for us. So the first thing they say is internal focus. What they're saying is don't look at the, the race day. Don't look at the crowd. Don't look at the people. But just focus in, inwards. Now, we know what that means. We know... It means to turn our face and gaze back to him. We know that's what it means. The second thing that they say is, it's actually quite, quite true spiritually as well, that sometimes we need to remind us of the goal of why we're running. What is the goal? Jesus knew always what the goal is. He knew why he was here and he had to endure the cross. And very much like that of a puzzle piece, we try to fit a puzzle piece in, but man, it just does not want to go in. But it looks like it must go in there. And it's at that point we must just look at the puzzle box. Just get perspective. So, oh, this, this color is actually a little bit lighter, a little bit darker. Maybe it doesn't go in here. And that's where we get gain perspective. Remind us of the goal. And then the last thing that this, uh, the sports psychologist is saying is, you might have to recalibrate yourself. You might have to change your game plan. You know that scripture we read earlier about Hebrews 12 verse 1, the race set before us, we don't know how our race looks like. We don't know the ups and downs and the bends of our race. Very often we we discovering it the first time, and no one can warn us and tell us, hey, look, Terran, tomorrow at 4 o'clock, someone's going to drive in front of you. Be careful how you respond. You know, very often it's this... We're experiencing these things on the go, and we need, and we need uh, wisdom, and we need the Holy Spirit and the counsel to help us with that. But sometimes we need to change a game plan. What you thought you might have to do, might have to change. And that's where maturity comes in. To say, you know what, it didn't work out the way I did, I wanted, but maybe I need to go about this differently. So that's recalibrating ourselves. You can bring up that other picture. Oh, it's freed up. So, one thing that I've learned in running is never to run past the water point. Never run past the water point. By the time that you first eat, it's already too late. You must stay hydrated in God. We need not, we must not, 
forsake the gathering of the saints, times of prayer, fellowship together, because that actually refreshes us. It gives us strength to run the race. And that's something that I've learned in running. It, it helps us to overcome and go past and push through the wall. Like Philippines said, to praise on. Praise on. It means that it's going to be difficult. But the beautiful thing is that there's accountability and there's supports in the life of a church. And there's something, uh, I think the, the bicycle guys will know this as a peloton. The runners will know it as a bus. just want to read, read a section here, so forgive me, I'm going to just look down. I was ready to give up. I was tired and I was in pain. Then suddenly in the distance, I could hear the shuffle of feet and a voice rising above the shuffle of feet, counting. Ten, nine, eight, seven. Unbeknown to me, there was a bus behind me led by a military-looking guy that was using this brilliant walk-run strategy, hence the counting, to help the tired feet of the bus passengers to, keep, to, to, uh, to make it to the finish line. All of a sudden, I was surrounded by people like me, people in pain, people with tired legs, but resolute to finish the race. I was overwhelmed by how how selfless this bus driver was, making sure that every passenger completes the race sub-seven hours. Using the run-walk strategy, we made it into the M63 up Chase Hill. All the time, the bus driver kept telling us that our legs were fresh and our body was strong. I did not for a second buy that, <laughs> but saying it kept my mind uh, off at least uh, um, the last mile effort that lay ahead. What had seemed like an impossible undertaking at the 50-kilometer mark became more and more possible, with each countdown and assurance from the bus driver. As we inched closer to the UCT grounds, the bus driver told us to give it uh, our all to the finish. Tired legs and all, the whole bus broke into sprint until we had crossed the finish line. Nothing could describe this, the scene and the wave of emotions at the finish line. There were high fives everywhere and lots of hugging and tears. I walked over to, over to the bus driver and shook his hand, grateful and honored to be part of his bus. We had done it, total strangers running as one, helping each other along the way, not only sharing in the joy of the accomplishment, but also the lessons of getting there. The experience of running in the bus epitomized the runner's one spirit, encompassing the, uh, the comrades. Maybe um, this, this marathon, maybe one day I, I will drive a bus and help other runners accomplish their goals. It's just an example of accountability and support. You know, something that I've learned, a lesson that I've learned, see what my time is doing. I'll have to start coming in for landing. A lesson that I've learned through accountability and running is that when I'm tired, I start running faster. To the point that I actually, when I'm, when I'm finished, I'm finished. I cannot anymore. And it's a trade. It's, it's something I need to, and it's reflecting in my, in my running. And an accountability, and my accountability partner, he picked it up, and I was able to recognize the cycle in my life. Another cycle that I picked up was race day jitters. 
you, you've done the exercise, you've done it, but the moment is so big, fear just comes in. And I, it happens to us very often in the workplace or wherever, where the rubber hits the road, where fear and anxiety just comes in. God's saying, no, I'm going to make you bold. Your purity will give you confidence, will give you boldness. So there's a couple of things that accountability helps us with. And you know what? There are various role players in this marathon of life. I call it the amazing race. By the way, that's the title of the preach. There's marshals, there's coaches, there's fans, there's volunteers, and then, of course, there's the runners. And it's not always you that's doing the running. Tomorrow you might run. Today, you're assisting and helping other guys, cheering them on. You're helping them at the side of the road, serving, coaching, all have a role to play. Accountability is, is huge. It's huge in running this race. And that again is the horizontal. A couple of other lessons that I've learned is do not compare yourself to the guy next to you. It's amazing actually how some guys finish ahead of me. I cannot believe it. I just cannot believe it. Like, how on earth did this guy finish in front of me? Massive guy. I'm like, how? And I realized, you know what? Every one of us has got to walk with God, unique to where you're at. A lot of people don't know where you're at spiritually. And maybe you have not told anyone. But you run your own pace in God. Just don't stop running. Don't stop running. Don't give up a fight. Press on. Press on to the finish line. We don't want to start off well and then, and then lose our ground and slip away. I've learned and Tracy taught me this, never to make a big decision on an uphill. Wait for, wait for the level or the downhill before you make a decision. It's very easy to quit when you see a huge uphill in front of you. But that's when God says, you know what, focus on me for a moment. Just focus on me. Why are you doing this? You know, you can white knuckle it. You can try it out of your own strength. But then we need to start relying on God. And that's where we exercise our faith. We exercise our faith. The reward is in heaven. We're not always going to get a reward right now. Although Dan did an excellent job in speaking about kingdom now actually made a very good case against kingdom now. And he said that, you know what, you've got faith and prayer for this life and this side of the kingdom. You're not going to need it in heaven one day. You need to use it. You've got it for a reason. Believe and pray. Pray. I think I'm going to just come in, come in for landing. A couple of things that are I don't get to share, but I think we've got the point across. 
never run when you're sick. You've heard it say, say people say, don't run when you're sick. You've got flu or whatever. You're going to do greater damage to yourself. Some of us are sick spiritually today. And actually God is asking you to recalibrate. Take off some weights. Maybe you're doing it out of obligation. Maybe you're doing it out of fear of man. Maybe you're doing it because you don't want to lose ground. But actually God is saying, you know what? I need you to rest in me. I need you to come back to the vertical before we do the horizontal again. And as we're going to, Donnie, I'm finished. As we're going to do communion now, let us take these things to heart and bring it before God. What is the weights? What is the sin in our lives that's keeping us from running forward? Do you feel that you've hit the wall? Do you feel that you've lost the bigger picture? Do you feel that you cannot uh, reach out till tomorrow? You can barely make today. Well, he's saying that we must do it one step at a time in God. Just like, just like the father who helped his son, God wants to meet us today in our walk so that collectively we can move forward in God. So we're going we're gonna, to, maybe Donnie, if it's all right, we can, uh, um, I can we, please, let's all stand here. And then uh, we can uh, help ourselves to the communion table and then by yourself 